0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And I'm so excited to bring you a new sponsor. Of the podcast today, one of my favorite companies out there, and it is Brio, that's B-R-E-O. They make massagers that are just out of this world. I love their massage gun, which is great for me in terms of pre-run prep as well as for recovery. Uh, We all know it's a recovery cool. as a recovery tool. Um, The massage guns are really great for that. Uh, But also, I love it for pre-run activation. It's just a simple and fast way to get ready to run. I love this little sucker. It only costs $89, but the the coup de gras for me is their foot massager. And we are on vacation right now. We're with a ton of family and my mother in law begged me. She's like, please bring the foot massager. This thing's great. And now every single person (laughs) in our little vacation home here is dying to take this thing home. We're leaving first thing tomorrow morning and it might be a fist fight for who can take this thing home. And the people over Brio are just so great. 17% off any purchase with code RamblingRunner. And that means you can get both of these suckers together with the code for under $200. That's less than the massage guns at most places. You can get the massage gun and the foot massager. And the foot massager, oh my god. Wait until you get this sucker. It is absolutely incredible. So go to us.brio.com. That's us.breo.com, and use code RamblingRunner for 17% off at checkout. So today's episode is with Becky Vanderheiden. Becky is an awesome person who I've been following and interacting with for a long time. And a couple years ago, her and I were at very similar similar spots in our training and our racing. It was exciting to compare notes and compare uh, workouts every week. And it was really cool. And since then, she has absolutely taken off. And it has been remarkable to see. She broke three hours in the marathon, which I mean, my goodness, that is just so awesome. And she's doing big things too. She's And from, on a, she is a nurse and she's passing her, her nursing certifications as well. She's a mom. She's a military vet. She's just kicking butt in so many ways, but it hasn't always been that linear progression for her. Recently, she, after some of the best work she's ever done as a runner, she had a um, she had injury pop up, and it's just like those one of those worst case scenarios for all runners, where she just couldn't get the proper diagnosis. And God, that is just such it's just so disheartening when you go through that. And I was interesting to hear interested to hear how how that went for her as someone who works as a medical professional and someone who is just so antsy to to go out and continue to get better and better. So we talk all about that as well. And hey, she's healed now, and she's out there doing some big things. She has some big goals. For the fall, so let's get into it with Becky Vanderheiden. Oh, one last thing before we get into the episode, I meant to mention this. So sorry. Um, when Becky and I are talking about how she started, you know, basically changing her diet and things like that, and started losing a little bit of weight on purpose, uh, we forgot to mention that she was actually working with a um a registered dietitian at the time. So we totally forgot to mention that during the episode. I just like to bring that up because I know that this is gonna be a topic that for a lot of people can be a tough one. So I just wanna let you know that this wasn't like her just going out and changing things, not working with a professional, she definitely was. And as a medical professional herself, she also knows the importance of that, but because it didn't pop up in our conversation, I wanted to let you know before we get into it that that did happen, that was the case, and just to listen to that part of the conversation with that in mind. So, like I said before, let's get into it with Becky Vanderheiden. Becky Vander Hayden, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. Excited to talk to you.
0: I'm so excited to chat. You're actually someone who has made appearances unwillingly and unknowingly in certain cases, I'm sure, on the show in the past because I have referenced you without your name as this like oblique person who I had like a very similar running times within the past. And then like two paths diverged where like this one person kept being consistent and became like super duper fast and really fit and was killing it. And then there was me who was on the other, other path. And for those of you who will never see this video, I'm now pointing in two different directions, (laughs) like a V that are now like going out past the screen. And there we go from a fitness perspective. So this is really exciting to talk to you, not only about that progression, but you've had some exciting things and interesting things um, happening lately. So thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. So I guess first things first,
0: we're going to go with even the running stuff first. You just have some cool stuff going on, man. You got, you're now an RN. That is so exciting. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I just graduated from RN school at 42 years old. I've been an LPN my whole life for almost 20 years and then just got caught up in kids and career and decided to finally go back.
0: (laughs) And for those of us who don't know, not me, but people may be listening to this. They they don't know. uh, What is an LPN?
1: It's a licensed practical nurse. So I was still a nurse, but the difference between the RN and the LPN is more like the RN takes care of the more unstable patients. We do more full body assessments and can give medications IV. So a little bit more critical thinking. Um, so, yeah.
0: All right. So was this always the dream to take that next step?
1: Always the dream. Um, and then my husband's the one that's like, go. You know, right now we are okay for you to go. You know, I had my GI bill to use from the military yet. So it's like, just go get it done with. And I did. So it was good that he gave me that push or else I probably wouldn't have ever done it, even though it was a dream of mine. So just with kids, it's hard. For
0: sure. And for a lot of folks who pursue higher education, you know, a little bit later than say like the typical not typical, but like some people go like undergrad into master's degree or, or along lines, right? So they just have like this kind of this linear path from educational perspective. And there's certain people who who don't, right? There's there's gaps or there's there's reasons not to do it. People people don't know what they want to do or whatever. Um a lot of those folks who come back to education oftentimes, especially recently, go more of like the remote learning way because it kind of they have more options Obviously, you don't have to like move to a school in order to do it. And then there's the COVID element. And then there's just people who have busy lives. And they're like, I just can't be going to school during the day. I got all this stuff. I got jobs. I got kids. I got whatever. Um, what, how it work for you.
1: Um. So being in nursing school, you have to be, you know, cl- you have to go to the hospital. You have to do your clinical. So it's not online, but I, this happened during, you know, COVID, I was at the hospital in March of 2020, and they had to kick us out, kicked all the students out. So then I had to finish off, you know, um, I took a semester off because of COVID, because I had to stay home and virtually teach my kids. And while I'm doing virtual school, so that was tough, but I had to take a semester off because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be at clinicals. And then it just happened that we got to go back to the hospital, but that was kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, having to, with schedules with my husband, I had to be at the hospital at six in the morning. And so it's a lot of adjusting with kids, especially being in virtual school. So, but it worked out.
0: And here you are. So what does that mean? Like, do you automatically like, just like move into like this brand new job that's kind of like set up like, all right, like, all right, get, just get promoted up or finding that new role because here you are like, you have the, this, this, this job, which requires more of you, which is why you want it in the first place. But you know you you have kids and you're you have this as we'll talk about right you're like pursuing some some serious athletic goals as well so there's a lot of constraints on the time. so what's it like for you figuring out a job that not only works for you professionally that you want that you've worked hard for but that also works with your life generally because you have more more stuff on your plate than just your career
1: right um, it's hard because I actually thought once I got out of nursing school like oh, it'll be easy. I have a lot of LPn experience. But when you apply for jobs in like Madison, Wisconsin, these big hospitals, it's like they see you haven't been in your new RN. It's like they don't even give you an interview. So I had a lot of being, you know, turned down and which was very frustrating. Um, I but I kept interviewing. I interviewed, I don't know, at least 10 different times, you know, and a lot of them had two interviews. But just try and find the right thing, because when you're a nurse, you work every other weekend. And you and a lot of new nurses work night shift. And I was at first I took a job. I was like, yeah, I could do night shift. But then I'm too tired for that. Like, how the (laughs) heck? I used to do that when I was younger. But I'm just like, how the heck am I going to work night shift? I can't. Um, So I just kept trying and trying and interviewing and interviewing. And then I finally found this um, infusion nurse resident program that through the uw um hospital and clinic here in madison and it's monday through friday it's eight to five and in, i'm in a residency program so they and it's for new brand new rns and they give us this opportunity to do like case managing and stuff during the day that a lot of new rns don't get so i'm excited i start that in a couple weeks
0: that's really exciting. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So that, that that'll probably be happening basically concurrently with this being published. So we're kind of recruiting publishing, um recording this a couple weeks out from when this will go out. And we're on a little little vacation with the fam. I'm excited. We're leaving in two days. So I'm trying a little, little bash recording thing. So we'll be so basically like your first day might be like the first day this thing comes out, which will obviously um be a nice a nice little thing for you. With that being said, it was it's interesting, right? Because you had this era where you're learning more about like you know, helping others with their health and their recovery and all of that stuff. All the while, Becky, you were going through your own trials and tribulations in regards to injury. So before we dive fully into that, you had this like awesome, like linear progression. Like we talked about earlier, like you were like getting better all, you know, again, nothing's perfectly linear, but you were consistently getting better. So if you look back, like, say, three or four years ago, when that was really like you were you were like, you know, continually getting better. And it was really awesome to see from afar. Um, what were your how did your goals start to change and alter a little bit as that was coming to fruition?
1: So, Matt, I probably ran my first marathon and it was in 2016 and I was 37 years old. I didn't know anything about running. I didn't even know what I was training for a marathon. I didn't even know what a BQ was in 2016 until like I started like following people on Instagram. I'm like, what's this BQ? So, um, I was, I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. I'm, I'm kind of training. Okay. I was following people. Hal Hig plan, you know, yes. what everybody does.
0: <laughs> 99% of Rambling Runner podcast guests. That's for know. Sure.
1: <laughs> you know, no workouts, just all mileage and of running every single mile at marathon pace like an idiot. Um, <laughs> so that was 2016. I ended up BQing and I was like, wow, you know, I'm actually okay at this running stuff. And then I decided to follow a training plan and, um, just a written out one for me. And then I got injured, I got injured pretty bad in 2017 and had a long injury. And, and then I ran Boston 2018, um, during that horrible, horrible storm. So from there on, I'm trying to think like from 2018. So 2019, I hired a coach and she really, um, really drove me to be an athlete that I didn't think I would was capable of um I ended up you know running like a 314 and then I just kind of wanted more I just kept being consistent over the years and the more consistent I was the faster I got and my marathons got faster so but that's basically just yeah consistency I, I guess
0: all right. So you go back in time to that point where you all of a sudden you you hire a coach that kind of sees potential in you that maybe you hadn't really tapped into or maybe you didn't think was there at that point when, you know, when you went through that situation of like, all right, like maybe there's much more here that 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 I'm capable of doing. What was that experience like in terms of did you immediately embrace that feeling or was there a little bit of like pushback of like, oh, I don't know, or this is getting too tough or this is – like? how did you manage that process? Because I know that can be tough for a lot of people and, and there's also like the the self, like the mental side of it where it's like, all right, now all of a sudden we're going to be doing something that I haven't done before and how well do I handle that sort of transition and, and the self-worth type can, can kind of feed into some of that process.
1: Yeah. Um, I honestly think one of my strong points as a runner is my men, like my mental training. Like I don't get caught up in like comparison and stuff like that. And it didn't stress me out. I just really enjoyed it and thought it was really fun. And I really enjoyed seeing progression in my running. And it's like, wow, I can hit these paces. And I just kind of went with the flow. So, cause it was like my first real coach and. Um, I just thought that's how running was, but I never got down on myself a lot. Maybe there were some times in the heat that, you know, everybody struggles with and you have bad runs, but I never let that stuff get to me for some reason. I just was enjoying it. Um, I enjoy getting out there every day and, and was just excited, but I don't think it was very scary.
0: That's awesome. That that's, that is really cool. So when you think back to like your um, earlier athletic ventures, and I you know you're you're a veteran, you were in the military before as well. When you think back to those times, do you take lessons from earlier athletic experiences or military experiences that now can kind of um, help you along the, the, your running journey? Not even just three or four years ago, but even today.
1: Totally. Yeah. Especially being in the military, you <laughs> you learn mental toughness. And you got to like be able to bounce back from things that are uncomfortable. And um, even in the military, I, I never knew I was a runner basically until I joined the military, you know, when I was 26 years old. And I was like, wow, I'm kind of fast. And I kind of like this running thing. But no, it's just it's just the mental toughness. You fall down, you get back up again. And, and things aren't always going to be perfect. But I do believe and, and And, you know, I'm not in my 20s you know, I've had life experience and things haven't been perfect. So, you know, I just got to not worry about things.
0: On the mental side, especially within the military, is that something that you feel like is like they, people are attracted to, or they recruit people who kind of have that bedrock of either mental toughness or self-belief and that sort of thing? Or is it more, and maybe this isn't the right term, but kind of more nurtured once you're in that situation and then it just gets developed and developed and developed.
1: I think it gets developed and developed and developed because when I joined, it was just something I wanted to do. It was a goal I I wanted to do. You know, it was, you know, sound cliche, but patriotism. You know, I joined when I was 26. I was an LPN. I wanted to help people. I figured it's 2005 when I joined, I was going to get deployed. Everybody got deployed. But I didn't because I ended up being in a non-deployable unit, and so we just we did um, medical exams for stateside soldiers getting upset to deploy. Um, so I think they aren't really looking for that. I think that's something that you learn along the way during your training because they really mess with your, you mentally.
0: <laughs> and does it stick? Like, what those lessons that you that you get from that experience? do are you able to again and I'm speaking for you specifically not like every everybody who's ever served in the military so for you specifically were you able to or are you able to retain those lessons or do they kind of get diluted over time and things like that
1: no i retain those lessons um my husband called me by the book Becky because I'm so rigid and I'm always on time and I'm just and I get pissed off it's he's not on time so it's just those lessons like I'm always on time I'm never late I just yeah I'm rigid and it it just sticks with you and um I wasn't mentally tough when I joined and yeah I had some things that you know I had to learn along the way that you know had good outcomes for me so no they're still there Matt they're still there
0: that's interesting so I think back to like lessons that I've learned I feel like I'm constantly learning the same lessons over and over like at one point these things have got to stick with me so I can you know move on to the next phase of my life here because um, you know I, maybe it's the kind of lessons we learn or, or just just <laughs> our natural inability to handle certain situations um, but here you are you' you are kicking but you're doing awesome stuff and I know that you've worked with different coaches, and you've you know had different parts of your your running journey. And then it seemed like a, like a year or two ago, it seemed like you started to reach a new level of you know the the, the amount of training you were doing, so maybe the, the kinds of training, maybe altered a little bit too. But it seemed like you really like purposefully tried to go to a, a different level as a runner so you just walk me back to like the decision making process where like at first you're like hey wow this person thinks like I can do all this stuff and let's do it let's let's just let's just roll with it and that seemed like you were maybe more proactive and like I'm going after these things now I'm not just like along for the ride
1: yeah oh yeah um I think after 2019 I had a really good year you know I finally went sub 90 in the half and sub 310 in the marathon and just felt really good. Um, I, I pride myself on being a good racer. Um, I suck at workouts. I feel like I can never hit workouts and I know a lot of people are opposite. Like they can all these workouts and then they can't race. Well, that's just the mental game for me. Like I'm really good when I, when I race for some reason, um, unless it's a 5k and I blow up too early, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I have big goals. I'm going sub three. So, um, I can do this. So, and then in 2020, I just kept training, you know, then with COVID I had, I was just going to get fast and it didn't stop me. And even though I had to run everything virtual, I'm like, I'm going to see how fit I can get. Um, I had Brad Hudson as a coach. Um, he's an elite coach. My training was, um, very, very, very hard.
0: It was hardcore. I didn't know you oh, achieved coaches, but I was like, you're trying like, something is very different <laughs> than some of the stuff I'd seen in the past.
1: It was ridiculous. Um, I he put me on like a ten day cycle, which was really new, which is okay for my schedule at that time. Like right now, it wouldn't be, but I did a long my long workout every ten days, so it was more recovery, but it was like crazy stuff in there, especially for like masters runners. I think it's really good. My body just man, Matt, I am like everything takes so much longer to recover. Um, so he gave me these crazy workouts and I don't know I was just really mentally strong last year for some reason even with COVID I just wanted to see how fit I could get my body felt amazing I had no injuries no niggles I didn't get anything during any of the training and so I'm like okay I'm gonna run a 5k Maybe I'll try to go sub-19. You know, I ran that. Now, all these are by myself. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to run a half. And my goal was like 127. And I had my sister crewing me on a bike and I ran a 124.
0: Ooh,
1: and We'll, I know we'll get like, back to that.
0: Keep keep going. We'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to that later.
1: Okay. And then I was like, you know what? I, I can run. And um, Brad was like, yeah, you know, you can run it. Uh, like he had me like a 256, what my goal was. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to go try to go sub three. And I wasn't even going to do it. Cause I'm like, who runs a virtual marathon as hard as they can go, you know, by themselves. So I did that. And, um, I had my sister again, crewing me on the bike, you know, and another friend. So they stopped for traffic. They made sure, you know, cause I wasn't stopping my watch at all. I'm doing this hundred percent. I mapped out, you know, I mapped out my run. I knew where I had to go. How many I did like out and backs And it was hard and, but my sister was like, you can do this. You can do this. I wanted to quit a million times because it was virtual and ended up running like a 258 by myself.
0: My goodness.
1: I know people say they don't matter cuz they're virtual, you know, but it did. It was like a lot of hard work and I did that by myself, not racing anybody. So I think you I th- know? that that's
0: that's like a complete like road runner fallacy. Like you would never say that to an ultra runner be like, "Oh, your FKT doesn't count cuz you did it by yourself." Like right. that's the point. That what do you mean? That is what an FKT attempt is, right? You would like only a road runner would be like, "Oh, you it wasn't a part of a sanctioned race, so it doesn't count." You're like yeah, that's not, that's not how any of this works, right?
1: <laughs> like your your garment's off or whatever. I'm like, my actually, what I mapped out where it was supposed to end was like spot on. So like, I know, but I count it because it was hard. You had to be mentally strong to do that. So that's where I pride myself in was that mental aspect.
0: Right, no, it's just like, like an eating competition. Like if I eat 58 <laughs> hot dogs, I don't care if it's on like the Coney Island stage. Those stomach, <laughs> that's in my stomach right now. Like that right? happens. <laughs> <laughs> like Think about other sports where you're like, no one in another sport would think that this is real, right? Like, like golfers are like are out there like logging their handicaps. You're like, yes, I just didn't happen in a tournament. That's the point. I'm preparing for a tournament, right? Yeah. Um right. Yeah, that that is that is an incredible progression. Let's go back to the half marathon, right? Because you had this situation where you're like, hey, we're thinking 127 or 124. That's a huge difference. Three minutes is an enormous difference in a half marathon. Like even for a marathon. I mean, that's, that's significant for a half. It's very significant. At what point in that race did it go from, for you, maybe it was even pre-race, where the idea of 127, which was still, like, aggressive, went from, like, not only is that something that I can beat, but, like, that's, like, the floor, not the ceiling at this point.
1: You know, when I started, I felt really good and smooth. And um, I just kind of went with what my body was wanting to run that day. And I was like, "Oh, I'm starting out too fast. I'm starting out too fast. You know, um, slow it down, Becky. Slow it down." But I was like, "No, my body feels so good. I felt so fast. And like when I was done, I wasn't like, it just felt nice. I wasn't like dead <laughs> for some reason. It just, I don't know, Matt. I was. I listened to my body and just ran what it could.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Was like 6:25 like pace or so."
1: Something like six, to, I think my pace was like 627, I think. Right,
0: which is awesome because like three years earlier, that was your 5K pace.
1: Yes, I know, I know.
0: And like here you are like ripping those off. And and once that once that happened, did that change your mindset regarding like the three-hour marathon or were you already there because of how the training was going?
1: I think right there, that's when I knew I could do it. It took me that half because I wasn't going to run a marathon. I was just going to do a half because I was like, oh, I'm going to do this virtual Bell and Women's Half Marathon I signed up for. So that was my goal. And I didn't have any virtual marathons or whatever planned. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a shot. I think I fit. Let's do it.
0: Let's talk about recovery here because – you mentioned before, like, as a Masters runner, recovery is different, and that's undoubtedly true. In addition to that, you also have stepped up the training. So even if, like, you could have done the Benjamin Button and gone kind of, like, in reverse age, the recovery still would have been harder because the training was harder. So all of a sudden, you have that tied into it. You have, like, just the stress of, of COVID that everybody has, but you're, like, working in the healthcare industry. So obviously, it steps up a little bit there. And you're doing, like, you know, your kids at home, so you have that. Like, you're always on. So what were you doing from a recovery standpoint that allowed you to not just crash and burn once you know you threw in like a couple like really big weeks and maybe even like a nice solid month and a half in and you were able to really maintain it throughout this long and arduous cycle?
1: Oh, recovery, Matt. <laughs> um, my recovery is running my easy runs really, really, really slow and taking them really seriously. Like if you look at my easy run paces, I'm like a nine to 10. Nothing slow works faster than a nine minute pace. And that was like seriously the bread and butter to my training and recovery because I was running seven days a week. And some days my sleep wasn't th- all there, but if I had an opportunity to sleep, I would. Um, so sleep and um, feeling as I think about that, I actually was kind of... <laughs> This sounds weird, but I was dieting that cycle. I was dieting down to like my race weight and uh, I lost about 10 pounds from June to November. So I I know people are like, feel, 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 but I I did feel my body, but I still like, you know, dieted down. Um, I think that kind of helped me because I was more concentrated on, you know, getting protein and right foods because usually I eat like crap all the time.
0: Um, so let's let's, let's, let's stop <laughs> it. So was it was it that you were calorie restricting, or were you when you say dieting? Because th- that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So was this a caloric? Were these caloric decisions you were making, or was this more on the side of like, okay, I'm just going to change the the kinds of foods that I'm fueling my body with, or maybe it was or, or, or some sort of hybrid of the two?
1: Honestly, I know this is like not what runners want to hear, but yeah, I was I was trying to be in a caloric deficit. I know it's not popular response for a marathon runner. Um, My body handled it fine because, I don't know, I've never had issues with my eating before. I've always, you know, had my period. I've I've never had issues there. So, yeah, and I just felt, I just feel more comfortable racing at a certain weight.
0: Right. I mean, hey, I'm not going to pass judgment. And see, it seemed like, you know, again, obviously, when you get into things like, all right, does, is amenorrhea starting here? Is this like all of a sudden cycles are, are disjointed? Then then you know, we've been, like, we've had people on this episode, we've had Tina Muir on this episode, on this podcast, talking about this extensively. Um, so uh, obviously, it's not, again, we're just talking about the, what you've gone through uh, here. And obviously, we never want to see any runner put themselves into position or put themselves into harm's way for anything.
1: No, I I made sure of that. I was getting plenty of food. It was just like, I eat, a lot. I eat a lot. So I just had to really kind of back off a little bit and, you know, not eat like, you know, five candy bars a day and, you know, cut back on my yeah. alcohol a that, little that's, bit. That sounds
0: reasonable, right? That's like know, the, that was like, like the Dwight <laughs> Howard diet. You know Dwight Howard was in the NBA? He would have yes, like yes. The, the equivalent of like 15 <laughs> pieces of candy a day, like during the season. They're probably like, you're like gonna be diabetic, and you're like a professional athlete. <laughs> are, you, are you serious
1: right now? That's me, Matt. <laughs> so <laughs> I I struggle like trying to get healthy foods, and so it's it wasn't like you're bad. It was just basically cutting out yeah bags of chips and candy boots. I still ate that stuff, but I just didn't eat sit down eat a whole bag in one sitting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, all right, so. The, the, the easy running, I think this is a, this is a key thing because oftentimes as we get faster, usually there's a, you know, kind of like this parallel line, even when we're being very conscious with our easy run pace, whereas it's kind of like this parallel line, like say like in an, up in a graph where it's like, all right, our say our marathon pace goes up at a certain slope, almost like our easy pace does kind of the same thing, kind of tracks it for a lot of people. Like, okay, now my marathon pace is, say for you, in this case, we're talking like, 6.30, 6.40 per mile, roughly speaking, if we're like uphill, downhill or whatever. And yet, it doesn't seem like your easy paces changed. If anything, they maybe got slower as you were getting faster.
1: Correct. Um, because the harder my workouts, you know, the faster you get, the harder you're working. So, and the more my body needed to recover. Um, yeah. So like my easy paces this last cycle were slower than they've ever been. But that's just because I was listening to my body and, you know, running what felt good for me. So, yeah, I think the faster you get, the slower it's going to get because you're working your ass off. So,
0: yeah. And that, that's, that's interesting to hear because for you, your easy paces were two and a half minutes slower than your marathon pace. And I think you mentioned before for your first marathon, like all the paces were a marathon pace.
1: All my paces were like eight something pace, like stupid. Like, no wonder I was sick all the time. You know, I just felt like crap all the time. But yeah.
0: I remember that. And the same thing happened to me. So I went back to like, because <laughs> like I'm preparing for my first marathon in over a decade. So I went back to like some of the emails that I was sending, like my, my first running coach. And, and he wasn't like super like, you know, he was basically volunteering for the role. Right. He was super knowledgeable, but it wasn't like he was like completely on what I was doing. He be like, hey, do this this week. Right. So it wasn't like a daily follow up or anything like that, which is exactly how it should have been. This is no shade at Bob. He's awesome. He was coaching 300 athletes for free. Right. Like this guy is a saint. Um, With that said, I look back and look at the times I was sending him. It was like they were all in the sevens. All my easy runs were in the sevens. It was like, dude, I was preparing for a marathon that I was hoping to run at 830 pace. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what was I doing?
1: Yeah, I know. I look back and I'm like, and you know, you talk you talk about on your podcast, people like I, people love just running f- the faster, it's more fun. Like that's the opposite for me. Like I was so excited to run my nine, I ran like 9:40 something today pace, and that's exciting for me. Like that's enjoyable. Not going out there and like burning all my energy on my easy runs. That's like, man, I get, that's hard. That's hard.
0: That is hard. Yeah, was, Sarah Bishop, who's been on the show a million times. Um, has a great line i don't know if she said it on this show or maybe she like said it to me at a, at, at a different point in time but she just says like whenever i see my athletes and she's a coach with mccurdy train and she's she's you know her, her athletes love her to death she said whenever i see my athletes going too hard in their easy runs she goes i don't admonish them for it i just start upping the game on their workouts so i'm like oh are playing that game now like okay well let's just make the workouts harder so that you don't want to run those paces on your easy days
1: i'm gonna try that that's, that's awesome. Cause that's something that's hard to get through people's head. It takes a while. Like I, people I coach, it's like it's taking like years sometimes to be like, no, my body doesn't want to run that slow. Just try it. You know, your easy pace isn't your marathon pace. Just, just try it. It takes practice. You'll love it. You know, but they think they, it, the cadence changes. Well, yeah, your cadence is going to change a little bit from when you're running slow to when you're running a workout. So.
0: Yeah. And if, and if you're feeling fresh, Yeah. It does feel different, right? If you're you're super fresh, your easy run can go faster because you're like, I'm not tired. I'm feeling great. It's almost like you're tapered for your easy run. You're like, yeah, of course the pace is going to amp up a little bit, even without trying. It's just almost like the gravity of the situation pulls you along as opposed to like the, okay, I ran 13 miles yesterday. I'm running 10 today. Like, I'm not going to be crushing it.
1: Yeah. Especially in the heat.
0: Especially in the heat, right? Or even for you the other end of the spectrum, right? You're not going to see people going out there like, you know, like it's super cold and I'm just going to like hammer all the yeah, time. No, well, I mean, it's, I guess it's easier that way. maybe not in the first two miles, but once you get warmed up a little bit.
1: Oh yeah. And when it gets like, when it's like the first, my first run in the fall, like the weather's getting nice, my easy pace, I'll just go cause I feel so good. But yeah, other than that, it's okay. Back it off, back off. And I'm a firm believer too. Like I were, when I remember I wear a heart rate monitor, a strap, because my watch is doesn't, you can't trust it. And uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Don't trust your watch's heart rate, especially never. in the summer.
1: Even never. look at the
0: manual. Look at the meat. I love my watches. I've had watches sponsored this show before. Look at their manual. They tell you this is not going to be super reliable when you're running. They gives you like a range. Like it's going to be all by <sighs> 10 to 20%. You're like, well, that's the whole ball game. Yes. 10 to 20%. So um, Amelia Benton actually put an article out in Runner's World last month talking about this whole thing, right? She's been on the show before. She's great. They're great for resting heart rate, light exercise. By light, I mean like a nice leisurely hike. (laughs) Not easy runs or Lord knows anything faster than that.
1: I get like a heart attack sometimes when I see my athlete's heart rates, you know. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like 180 on an easy run. I'm like, are you okay? Like, well, my watch is up. I'm like, can you just stop and like check your pulse? Cause I freak out about stuff like that. I'm like, that run felt good for you. So ugh.
0: it's true. But I actually what I've done recently is I turned off um and I, I changed I lost my watch. I got a new I got a new watch, so I have to like figure out the new settings. Um was I turned off the heart rate during exercise. I'm like, I'm not using it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. why not just take it off? I'll just save the battery life.
1: That's, that's a good idea. Yeah.
0: And then you're not tempted to look at it. You're just like, listen, I'm disregarding this in the first place. So why even have it?
1: Yeah. That's why when I wear my heart rate strap, I keep it on my heart rate for my easy runs too. Because I don't like to look at my pace.
0: No, that makes sense. We're talking a lot about you running it and killing it and doing these amazing things which are truly remarkable i remember watching this in real time being like this is amazing what she is up to this is so fantastic um and actually you were part of the reason i was so excited to like start the mastering 40 journey i'm like look what becky's doing this is amazing um with that said this year hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns for you as a runner so what what happened from the the injury perspective
1: um you know, Matt. So I ran the marathon November, and then December, I started having knee pain, um, and I was thinking, you know, doctor Googled it, IT band syndrome, um, just kind of dealt with it, and then I finally went to see a sports med, and she took an x-ray. My knees look perfect, and like yours, right? Don't you say your knees look perfect? Yeah,
0: perfect. they were fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it It's yeah. like all the ligaments and the connective tissue, money.
1: But yeah, right. So... She's like, okay, yeah, you have ITBS. And so I went through PT and my physical, my physical therapist was like, I don't get this. Like, there's just something off. Like, I don't, I don't get your ITBS. And then I had a cortisone injection. It helped. I went like pain-free. And then I, like an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> I'm running all these miles again because it felt good. It was like, oh, my gosh, I don't, haven't had, you know, I've had pain for four months and I have no pain and even though it was just a, it was a band aid, but i wanted to run and the weather was perfect and i it was so stupid so then i got hurt again like 6 the, that lasted 6 weeks so then i got another cortisone didn't help so then she's like okay coming for an mri and i think that was may and she's like oh you don't have itbs you have a torn a partial vastus lateralis which is your quad muscle tendon and muscle belly tear, so I have you know a torn tendon and muscle in my quad, and I, you know just researching it, and it happens to people over forty. So <laughs> one thing I saw, but I don't know if it was like the running because I wasn't you know I was taking a break from my marathon and but I was strength training and doing a lot of squats and that's when it started to hurt. So I have no idea what caused it but um, yeah, I'm running pain-free now.
0: There we go. All right. So let's, let's talk about the, like the, the journey to a diagnosis, which I think is something that a lot of people have been uh, on the show. And I've certainly talked about this as well, is that like we, um, it, it can be a sticky process, right? Cause you have the healthcare professionals that you trust and that you lean on for this, but you also like, you know, there's also the healthy skepticism like but this doesn't seem to be working but am I overthinking it? and then like it, these mental gymnastics come into play here where like oftentimes we get stuck and like wait is this really the case or is it not the case or is this working or not working? So especially for you who works in the healthcare industry and who's continued to you know further yourself uh, in that arena, what was it like for you trying to navigate that process with all of these factors kind of milling about?
1: Oh, man, it was so frustrating. I just like would spend time researching like IT band pain. And then I then people I've heard it like last for like people would have it for a year. So I'm like, this is this must be what I have because it's not going away. Um, So I just kind of dealt with that. And I was doing probably the wrong PT stuff. Um, I was getting needled. And trying different exercises for it, but I don't know. It was, nothing was working, but I just kind of had it in my head. Like, man, this could be an injury I'm going to have all year long, just by the sounds of it, reading people's like articles and stuff. So, um, but yeah, after when my, my PT was confused and like, I, I just don't get it. You know, And she's amazing. She's been with me for years, you know, since I started running, I've always gone to her and She's just cured me on everything. But, but when I went had the MRI and I, and I got that diagnosis, I was like, so no ITBS? <laughs> you know, do I have that too? And she's like, no swelling. But then she never gave me any like, do I run? Do I not run? No one ever told me to stop running during all this. So I didn't have any direction, which is really confusing. Also, like, can I run through ITBS? It was like, she told me my diagnosis and she kind of cut me off. And I was asking her, I'm like, well, what do I do? You know, what's next? She's like, you can try PRP, which can be like a couple grand, or you can try this extra shockwave therapy. And the- we've had
0: people come on this episode, talk about for PF. That oh, is helpful yeah. for plantar fasciitis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have. Okay. Um, I did that and I found somebody I did, and it's painful during, like, after you have your sessions, it's, there's just so much inflammation. Um, so I felt like it wasn't working. I had three, three um, sessions and then I said, should I continue? He's like, let's give your knee a couple weeks to rest. And if it's bad, let's do another three. Well, I did and I went and I had no pain. Like a week later, I stopped. Like, I have not had pain since I've had the, that shock wave.
0: Wow shockwave making yes. coming out of the podcast an unexpected feature of the podcast you shockwave know, therapy coming it, in strong.
1: And it was reasonably priced. It wasn't expensive. It was probably the cheapest therapy I've ever had to pay for, you know? So it was, I think that's what helped me, but I have, I've been pain-free since.
0: That's really exciting. Okay. So I guess the, the, the real question here is considering all of that, if with hindsight being 2020, knowing that, like, again, we don't live in an ideal world of like, all right, I should like day one, get the right diagnosis, day two, find the right treatment, right? Like there's some some sort of range of figuring this stuff out. What would you have changed um, if you could change anything going through that process? And I guess by doing so, if you were going to talk to someone else who was going through some sort of injury, uh, how should they approach it in terms of what you've learned from this process?
1: You know, I should have pushed more for answers, Matt. I, I'm i one of those people who are like, I'm in the health field. I just kind of trust the doctors. And um, I, I just kind of probably should have got like a second opinion. Um, yeah, I always worry about that because it's like I go through the UW and like sports med doctors and they all know each other. I'm like, well, they, they see my stuff anyway. Um, But I really wish I would have went somewhere and got a second opinion. Um, Maybe tried. I, I actually you know, Dwayne Scotty. Dwayne. Yeah. my man. I know. So I reached out to him and he, you know, he analyzed me and stuff and he gave me some really good tips. And, um, so I even reached out to him. I was trying everything. Um, you know, sometimes just spending too much money on it, which is frustrating when you're trying to fix a wrong diagnosis is super frustrating, but, um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, fixing the right, fixing the wrong diagnosis basically is like you're just hoping that you get lucky, right? Right. <laughs> like, being like it's like I mean, get out of here, right? And you're like, all right, I have a broken foot, but like, it's actually like a torn ligament. And you're like, well, I use rest for both, so luckily, you know, it was the same kind of plan or whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. It's funny because I'm like, I want to make sure I get this right. My man, Dwayne Scotty, who's been on the show, who's helped me with my knee bursitis, As anyone who listens to this show knows, here it is, the Healthy Runner podcast. I'm actually going to be a guest uh, in a couple weeks, which I'm really excited about. I don't know when it will come out, but um, people who are injured, go check that one out because it's for getting runners to be healthy. Again, there's a lot of PT podcasts out there, and I think those are really good, but there's a lot of them that get very niche. So you know, I was like... PT for strength training, right? So Dwayne does a good one for PT for runners, right? I think that that sort of thing can get really helpful um, because you get very specific assistance for certain kinds of exercises, not only that, but some kind of injuries, right? It's like you've like someone who's a wrestler might have like these shoulder issues that like runners would never have to experience. So like a PT who's really into that sort of field might not be super well-engaged with like, all right, I have knee pain and can be able to be like super precise with questions like, okay, well, is this runner's knee? Is it bursitis? Is it a meniscus issue? Is it ITBS? Is it some sort of other thing that's happening like you experienced um, where it can be, you know, these little, little thin decision points along the way can have these major impact later on in the process.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I found him through an, like a podcast. I was searching IT band syndrome. And then I listened to him, his podcast. And that's, so I was like, I gotta reach out to this guy.
0: <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, here you are. So you're back, you're on the med, you did a little 5k. Last weekend, I did a little your,
1: the,
0: the race that you have now, like, thrown under the bus, the distance, I should say, that you have now thrown under the bus multiple times oh. in this podcast. What what about the 5K, Becky? That is such a, a non-starter for you. I mean, I shouldn't say non-starter because you do start the races, but it seems like you don't have the, the affinity for that distance that you do have for others.
1: You know, and I do. I, I, I like that race. I like the 5K. And I like the full. I hate the 10K. I haven't raced a 10K, I don't know, five years. I hate the 10 K so when you were, you know, training for your 10 K, I was like, I hate that distance. <laughs> um, I don't know they're quick and you get them over fast and it's a little race just to like burn the lungs a little bit. So,
0: so what was that like to get to go to go redlining again, which you haven't done done in a while?
1: Um, I just kind of went out. I had no goal. I was like, maybe I can run this at like my old marathon pace, like a six, you know, maybe I could do like a six forty. Um, because I've only done a couple speed sessions since, and you know, of course, I went out, it was like 70 dew point, and uh, the bugs galore. I ate a million bugs, that was horrible. I went out protein. To- Who oh, needs yeah. a gel? Who yeah. needs a gel when it there's was bugs crazy. in the air? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I ended up running like a, a 20 minute 5k, you know, I had like a 619 overall pace.
0: That's awesome. That's great, and you ran at night. You told me I love your sign, I love your 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 description. You're like, good luck running in tangents at night. Oh <laughs> my,
1: it's horrible. I even wore a headlamp, you know, because it, it, your equilibrium is so off at night. And I'm over here. I'm like, oh, sure, I should be over there because <laughs> you can't see anything. I suck at that. And I run. I love that race. I, I do it every year.
0: <laughs> that is well. Here, well, the the fact that you were racing again is so exciting. Um, you got. New, you know, you're on the job front, you got changes there, which is also obviously super exciting. As we move forward to the end of the summer and we get into the fall season, um, what is on your your calendar tentatively or in pen or or maybe you're not going there yet because you're knocking on wood and crossing your fingers as we progress through the summer?
1: Um I'm knocking on wood and crossing my fingers, but I'm gonna run indie if I can.
0: Oh, nice. Now is that a I pardon my um pardon my ignorance here is that a race that you've done in the past?
1: yes, okay the, in, the monumental marathon love it it's like the best course ever i actually I'm signed up for Boston, but um I'm not doing that one um because that one killed my quads and with a torn quad I, I can't like I was in pain for a month after I ran that and <laughs> So yeah, with the quad injury, I thought it would be not a good idea even to run it for fun because I probably could still mess up my quad more. So I'm shooting for Andy.
0: All right. That's, that's really, really exciting. Becky, it's so, I'm just so glad that you're on the mend. Not even that, you're back, you're back, you're racing, which means, you know, things are going really well. I am so excited for you and I'm so excited to follow along as you, you get back into that mix of training super hard, which I know you enjoy.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to train hard. Just a little scared, but I'm excited.
0: You got it. Becky, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute pleasure.
1: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's nice talking to you.
0: Becky, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so much fun. Also, big shout out to Brio. I'm telling you, you already know the importance of massage guns. They're great. They've been around for a while. And the massage gun that Brio has is fantastic, and the best thing about it too, only $89, you can't beat that, you really can't. And I've shopped around, I know, and I've been using their foot massager and the massage gun for months, the foot massager, I'm telling you, <laughs> this thing is gonna change your life. It is absolutely phenomenal. Go over to us.brio.com today and order with code Rambling Runner to save 17%. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.